Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, what a great day, huh? What a great day to be here. What a great day to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. You know we do this every Sunday? Every Sunday we get together to celebrate the resurrection, especially on this Sunday. But every Sunday we gather together here in this place, same time, same place, and we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's good, right? Uh, back, back in the old days, so I, so I hear, uh, preachers would say, He is risen. And all the people would respond, He is risen. Risen indeed. All right, so let's try it. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen, he is risen indeed. And I think we should add a woof. Woof. Well, well done. Well done. Well done. Do you have your Bibles this morning? Good. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is where I want you to go. That's where we're going to start. We're going to go from there to Ephesians chapter 2 to make the connection with us. I feel a little bit hypocritical to stand up here today and say that we are not going to continue our study of Joshua on this day. We've taken a pretty hard stance on that around the office lately, that even if I'm gone, whoever preaches should preach from Joshua. And then I'm gone last week, and Joe preaches from Joshua, a difficult passage in Joshua, no less. And then I come back and say, well, I'm not going to do Joshua, I'm going to do something else. So you have to bear with me. If there was ever a day to make an exception to that rule, it's today, right? Uh, We want to focus all of our attention, all of our affection on the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to affirm uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ as an historical fact, right? We want to say these things really did happen, and they really did, right? Christ really did raise up from the dead, right? So not only do we want to recognize that as an historical fact, we want to see that that historical fact has an impact on our lives today. It makes a big difference in our lives today and every day. And so what we're going to do in 1 Corinthians, and Aaron did a little bit of this on Wednesday night, um, but there weren't nearly as many people here Wednesday night as there are this morning. So I'm going to recover some of what he talked about Wednesday night about the historicity of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, about all the eyewitness testimony to his resurrection. We're going to nail down that he really did die for our sins. He really did He really did go into the grave, and he really did come out. And that's what we celebrate. And then we're going to go to Ephesians and see what difference that makes for us. So check it out in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'm going to read through about verse 11. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. After that He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, As to one untimely born, he appeared to me also, for I'm the least of the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Let's pray. God, thank you uh, for this day, this glorious day in which we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that every day of our lives will be a celebration of that, that you will teach us today that these things really did happen. 
and it really does change everything. God, show us where we would be had Christ not been raised from the dead. God, show us where we can be because he was raised from the dead. God, I pray that we will see the truth of the resurrection and the impact of the resurrection today. God, I pray that lives will be changed. Men and women will be conformed to the image of Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. The first thing that I want you to see in 1 Corinthians 15 is that Paul says this business of the gospel is of first importance. He says, when, when I came to you, I delivered to you as of first importance the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose the third day according to the scriptures. He says, there's nothing more important than that. And I want you to recognize that there's nothing more important than that today. Uh, a group this big, we could get together and talk about a lot of things that seem to be important. We could get together and talk about finances. That seems to be important right now, right? The economy and our checkbooks and all of those things, that seems to be important right now. We could get together and talk about our marriages and our families because that seems to be important right now, right? But there is nothing more important than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so Paul says, I delivered it to you as of first importance. In fact, at one point he said, I claim to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified, right? He says, that's all we're going to talk about. That's all we're going to talk about. And so I want you to see that this message is of first importance. This is the most serious thing, the most important thing that you can encounter in your entire life. He says in verse 3, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. In other words, Paul had been delivered the gospel. It had been given to him. It had been given to him and it had changed his life and he wants to pass it on to others. And that's what we should do as well. And then here is the bottom line of it all. He says at the end of verse 3, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. We've talked about that a lot over the last week. You've surely thought about that a lot, that Christ died, that the Son of God who came to the earth and lived this perfect and exemplary life for us, he went to the cross, and on that cross he died for our sins. Jesus had never done anything wrong, had he? He had never sinned, right? And therefore did not deserve the wage of sin, which is death. But he died. Why did he die? For us, for us. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. And what you need to see there is that that's not a new idea. It's not a new idea that there would be a substitute who would die for us in our place as a sacrifice for our sins. It's not something new. We see that foreshadowed all throughout the Old Testament. And then Christ comes along and he is the superior, the supreme sacrifice once for all for the sins of the world. That would cleanse not just the outer man, but the inner man. He would cleanse our conscience by his blood. And that's what we sing about this morning, right? And so what you need to see is that the first important thing of the gospel is that Christ died for our sins. And one of the implications of that is that we have sin. We are sinners. He died for our sins. Number one, he died for our sins. Number two, he was buried. Do you know what that teaches us? It teaches us that he was really dead. I think the reason why Paul puts that little bit in there, because it doesn't seem to be crucial uh, to, to the gospel message. We talk mostly about the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. We don't usually spend a lot of time on his burial. But it is important that he was buried because that is evidence that he really was dead. This was not some kind of five-minute thing where he's on the cross, and oh, we think he's dead, and then five minutes later he springs back to life. No, he was dead, really, really dead. They made sure of that, did they not? How'd they make sure? They jabbed a spear in his side, and out came blood and water. He was dead, really dead, and that had to happen because the wage of sin is death, and so they buried him. And then the good news, the best news, what we celebrate today, can you smile? 
is that on the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, right? You know what that means? You know what that means? It means everything. It means he's victorious. It means he took our sin upon himself and he is victorious over our sin. It means he took our death upon himself and he is victorious over our death. Jesus wins, right? We serve a risen Savior, right? This is good. This is really good. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Those three things really happened. There are a lot of people today that say, no, they didn't. No, that's just a myth. No, that's just a tale. No, that's just religious babbling. No, it really did happen. Do you believe that? I hope you do. I hope you do because that's the first necessary thing. That's the first necessary thing. Now, believing and affirming the historicity of these events will not save you. You you can believe in the historicity of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and still go to hell. I want you to recognize that. Simply affirming that these things happened will not save you. Aaron, the other night, uh, on Wednesday night, when he was talking about this historical fact of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, he talked about Independence Day a little bit. He talked about how on July 4th, 1776, the men signed a document, and and we celebrate that, right? We celebrate that. Now, do people in Mexico celebrate that? No. They might affirm it as historical truth. They might say, yeah, we agree. We agree that 200 years ago, however many years ago, this really did happen, that there were some men and they signed a document and, and, and the United States came to be. But they wouldn't celebrate it. Why not? Because they're apart from it, right? Because it doesn't impact their lives. And there are some people today that would acknowledge the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They would say this really happened, but they wouldn't celebrate it because it hasn't impacted their lives. So the first thing that we've got to do is say, this really did happen. And Paul argues that pretty clearly, he argues it. He says, he appeared to a lot of people, Cephas, then the twelve, and then five hundred people. 500 people at one time, and most of them are still alive, Paul says. There are eyewitness accounts of this resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is alive. It's an historical fact. It really did happen. I want you to see, though, that at the end, or the middle of chapter 15, Paul chases down this idea about what if this hadn't really happened? What if, what if it didn't really happen? What if he didn't really die? What if he wasn't really buried? What if he didn't really rise from the dead? Paul says, look at it, in verse 12, he says, Now if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how does some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And listen to this. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God, because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. Paul says it really did happen. And if it didn't, we're in a mess. If it didn't, let's go home and eat lunch because that's all we've got, right? If he hasn't been raised from the dead, why stand up here and rant for 45 minutes about it? If he hasn't been raised from the dead, why believe? If he hasn't been dead, if he hasn't been raised from the dead, you're still in your sins. If he hasn't been raised from the dead, it's game over. Verse 20 starts with a good word, but. That's a good word. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. Did you hear that? 
But now Christ has been raised. If He hasn't, it's game over. But He has been raised from the dead. So it's game on. It's game on. We celebrate. We worship. Our lives are changed because of it. This stuff really did happen. It really did happen. But the question is, so what? So what? So what some guy 2,000 years ago died on a cross? So what they put him in a tomb? So what he was raised from the dead? So what? What difference could that possibly make in my life? And I want to tell you, it makes all the difference in your life. It can make all the difference in your life. You may be here today and you say, it doesn't make any difference at all. And we've been praying for you. If you would say that today, we've been praying for you. That today it would make a difference. That today God would work so in your heart that it would make a big difference. An eternal difference in your life. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 2 and we'll talk about that question of, so what? These things really did happen. Really did happen. Christ has been raised from the dead. But so what? What difference does it make? Remember the three points of the gospel that Paul preached as of first importance. Number one, Christ died. Number two, Christ was buried. Number three, Christ was raised. And what I want you to see from Ephesians chapter 2 is that those things can happen for you as well. That this resurrection of Christ is a pattern for our resurrection in Christ. That the same power that raised him from the dead can raise you from the dead. And for some of you, it has raised you from the dead. And that's good news. Check it out in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Listen to this. This is the best. This is the best news ever. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But, told you it's good. Gets even better with the next word, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God and not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. I want you to see three things in this passage. Three things that, that are gold. Three things that will change eternity for folks. Three things that have changed eternity for people, for me. Number one, for Christians, the truth is this. You were dead. Were dead. Remember the first point of the gospel? Christ died. Christ died because the wages of sin is death. For Christians, the first point I want you to see in Ephesians chapter 2 is that you were dead. Were dead. Really, really dead. And for the rest of you who are here today, the first point I want you to see is that you are dead. Are dead. Really, really dead. If you are apart from Christ. There are only two people, two groups of people in the room today. Those who are Christians and those who are not. 
those who know Christ and those who do not. For those who know Christ, you were dead. For those who don't know Christ, you are dead. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm saying that because I love you. I'm saying that because that is the truth that you need to hear. I'm saying that because that's what the Bible says. And I'm telling you what the Bible says because I love you, because this is a message of hope. It's going to get better. There's good news coming. But the first thing I want you to see is that, Christians, you were dead. Unbelievers, you are dead. Dead how? Dead in sins, it says. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Remember, we said that the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And that's not just physical death. That's spiritual death. That means separation from God. There is enmity between God and sinful man. Sinful man apart from Christ is the enemy of God. Does it make sense to you? That you were dead or you are dead in sins and that deadness is exhibited. That deadness is demonstrated in the way you live. In the walking of your life, in the pattern of your life. Look what it says in verse 2. It says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked. In other words, you can tell a dead man. You can tell a dead man by the way he lives. And look, he describes it. He says, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. In other words, when you were dead or when you are dead, you walk in the pattern of the world. You walk in the pattern of the world under the ruler of the world. He says, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. And then for those of us who are Christians, so that we don't get too proud of ourselves and think, no, I never walked according to the course of the world. Oh, I never, I never lived out my deadness. He says, yeah, you did. Look what he says. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. That's what it looks like to live out your deadness. Live out your lack of life. You walk according to the lust of your flesh. Indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Catch what it's going? Catch where we're going with this? That a dead man shows that he's dead by the way that he lives. Doesn't make a lot of sense there, does it? A dead man shows that he's dead by the way that he walks. I think the only way I can make sense of this is with the image of a zombie. We talked about this this morning. I came in this morning. I said, Aaron, define zombie for me. Zombie is someone who is not alive, but they walk around, right? They walk around, and they're not really in control of things, but they're walking around. That's what it looks like to be dead in trespasses and sins. Not really alive, dead, but moving around. And you can tell a zombie, can't you? There's not any in here, right? <laughs> Aaron said, if I'm going to talk about zombies, I have to give you some information about how to kill a zombie. But I told him, I, I said, I don't have time for that. don't have time for that today. That's the picture that I want you to see. There are people walking around, and you can tell that they're dead by the way they live. They exhibit their deadness. You need to remember that, because that's not the main point I want to make today. That's not the main point I want to make in thinking about this. I want to show you later that those who are alive, you can tell they're alive. If someone is dead, you can tell they're dead. And if someone is alive, you can tell they're alive. And I'm afraid that there are a lot of people who claim that they're alive, and you can't tell. They look dead. They look dead. Paul says... You are dead, or are dead, because of your sins, in your sins, by your sins, with your sins. You exhibit your deadness in walking and the pattern of life. And then the last and scariest thing is that because of this, wrath is deserved. Wrath is earned. Is wrath a good word? We don't sing a lot of songs about wrath, do we? We don't have a lot of songs we put up on the screen and sing about the wrath of God. Why? Why? Because it's terrifying. 
right? Do you, do you guys remember getting punished by your parents as kids? I think one of the first times I preached here, I, I uh, did this thing where I took my microphone off and undid my belt and whipped my belt through the belt loops. Any of you remember that? Remember how terrifying that sound was as a kid? Pow, 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 pow. Remember it? How that would send fear through you, right? And whatever you were doing, you stopped it right then. Be like singing a song about that. We don't, we don't sing songs about that because it's terrifying. And I don't mean to make light of it. I mean to make much of it. Because of our sins, we have earned the wrath of God. The full measure of the wrath of God. You want to know what that wrath looked like? Are you, are you curious about what the wrath of God looks like? Looks like the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what it looks like. You want to know what the wrath of God looks like? It looks like the cat of nine tails. You want to know what the wrath of God looks like? It looks like spikes through your wrists and your feet. You want to know what the wrath of God looks like? Way worse than those things. It looks like this when Jesus cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what it looks like. It looks like the father crushing his son. That's what it looks like. It looks like the perfect spotless lamb of God dying. A horrible death. That's what the wrath of God looks like. And we deserve it. We deserve it. He did not deserve it. We deserve it. First point I want you to see is that if you're a Christian today, you were dead in your sins. And you walked it out. And you deserved wrath. And if you're not a Christian today, I want you to hear that you are dead in your sins. And you're walking it out. You are walking it out. Living it out. It's clear you're dead. And you deserve wrath. The full measure, the full cup of the wrath of God. That's what you deserve. That's not happy, is it? Gets happy. It gets happy right here. Look what he says in verse 3. It says, Among them we, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest, and then everything changes. Everything changes in verse 4 when it says, But, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. Woof! Woof to that. That's the best news, right? First part was bad. Second part is good, and it's this. For, for Christians, for Christians, you have been raised from the dead. You were dead and have been raised from the dead. And you need to celebrate that. That doesn't happen very often. That's something to shout about. That's something to praise God about. You've been raised from the dead. If that happened physically, you'd tell everybody about it, wouldn't you? And it has happened to you. Spiritually, you have been raised from the dead. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, here's the hopeful news. You can be raised from the dead. You can be raised. He says all the people that have been raised at some point were dead and God raised them. If you're here today and you're dead, He might raise you. He might give you life. 
He might change everything for you. I want you to see a couple of things here in this passage that are glorious. Number one, it says, but God. This could have gone a lot of different directions, right? You're dead in your trespasses and sins, and you walked them out, and you lived them out, and you deserved wrath. But you, but you cleaned yourself up. You got yourself on the right track. You did all the right things, and now you've been raised from the dead. Aren't you glad it doesn't say that? Aren't you glad it says, but God, and not but you? Because if it said, but you, we wouldn't have any hope at all, because we would never do it. Whatever came after that, we would never do it. This whole good news hinges on those two words, but God. He did it. Can a dead man raise himself? No way. Can a dead man do CPR on himself? Can a dead man teach himself how to swim? No. He needs someone to save him. And God has done it. He raises the dead, but God has done it. Woo! We'll go home now. You don't get it. You don't understand what I'm telling you. You were dead, or are dead, and God has raised you, or He can raise you. That's what we need, is resurrection. Notice, too, that it happens by mercy and love. Look at this, it says, but God, being rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Not something you deserve, right? We're going to make that clear in a minute. Not something you deserve, it's mercy. He's rich in mercy. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you you thankful that he's not like down to the pennies of mercy? His pockets overflow with mercy. He's rich in mercy. Then it says this, Because, but God, rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. Love, love, he loves us. What in the world? That doesn't make any sense, right? Why? Because we are dead and sinners and we are enemies with him, right? Because of our sin. And it says clearly in this text, he loves us. Oh. He loves us. He loves you. Mercy, love. Look what it says next. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Then verse 5 says, don't forget you were sinners. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive with Christ. That's resurrection talk, right? Dead, alive. That's what today's all about, right? That Christ was dead and now he's alive. And what I want you to see in this passage is that's the same pattern for us. We were dead. Christians, we were dead. Now we're alive. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you are dead and you can be brought to life. He has raised us together with Christ. Look what it says next. It gets even better. It says, by grace you have been saved. Paul puts that in parentheses there because he can't wait. He's explaining this very logically up to that point, and then he says, oh, i got to give them this taste real quick. He says, by grace you have been saved. He's going to flesh that out a little more later, but you need to hear it now. None of this resurrection, none of this going from death to life happens because you deserve it. The whole point of grace is you don't deserve it. In fact, the whole point of grace is you deserve the opposite of it, and he gives you an abundance of his goodness. That's the whole point, right? Grace, grace, marvelous grace. Amazing grace, right? How sweet the sound. We sing songs about grace a lot, don't we? Oh, we love to talk about grace, but grace only makes sense when we understand wrath. That we deserve wrath, and He gives us grace. 
not because we deserve it. We have not earned a bit of it. We deserve the opposite, and he gives us grace. So he says, I'll give you a taste of this. It's by grace you have been saved. And look at verse 6. Not only has he made us alive, he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So not only have you been brought to life, you have been, in some sense, and will be, in other senses, glorified with Christ. You are linked with Christ. That's the whole point of today. We don't just celebrate the historicity of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. We celebrate the fact that that happens to us with Christ. That we have died to the old self. And we have been raised to new life in Him. We're linked with Him. And how are we linked with Him? By grace through faith. That's what it says next, right? I think that's what it says next. In verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. He says, not even even your faith is from yourself. It's all a gift. It's all a gift that we don't deserve. He's given it all to us. And that only makes sense, right? Because we were dead. We didn't have anything. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, walking in our sins, children of wrath, just like everyone else. And He comes in and changes it. He comes in and gives grace. He comes in and gives faith. He comes in and changes the world and raises us from the dead. That's good news for you. It's good news for me. It's the best news we've ever heard. He made us alive. It's all by grace. It's not as a result of works. If it were, we would boast. But it's not a result of works. It's by grace through faith. Want to know? Want to know this resurrection power? Believe in Jesus. It's the answer. Chris, how can I be raised from the dead? Believe in Jesus. Believe in Him. Trust in Him. Repent of your sins. Believe in Him. Be raised from the dead. You don't raise yourself. He raises you. You believe in Him. You trust in Him. You put your life in Him and you link arms with Him. Oh, it's glorious and it's wonderful. Number one, you either were dead or you are dead. Number two, You either have been raised or you can be raised. Today, you can be raised. Number three, and this is really only for Christians. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, this this won't make any sense at all to you. And it really doesn't apply to you at all. But for the Christians, when you have been raised from the dead, you are to be a display of God's power. You are to be a display of this resurrection grace and goodness. Look what it says in the text. In verse 7. In verse 5 and 6, he says, He raised us up, made us alive, raised us up with Christ. And then in verse 7, we get the purpose of it. It says, So that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. There's a lot of good words in there. And basically what it means is this. He has raised you up so that He can display Himself through you. He's raised you up so that he can show off his grace, so that he can show off his kindness, so that he can show off his glory. In other words, if you've been saved, he puts you in a trophy case and says, look what I did. Look at that. He doesn't say, look what you did. He doesn't say, Sonny, look what you did. He says, look at Sonny, look what I did. Look at this. I'll show my grace through him. I'll show my kindness through him. I'll display the riches of my glory through him for all of eternity. That's pretty cool. That we were meant to be a display of God's glory and his power and his wonder. Look what it says also in verse 10. For we are his workmanship. 
You ever made anything? Dave, Dave Disney makes stuff all the time. Goose calls and ink pens and stuff like that. He likes showing them off, right? He does. He's ignoring me right now, but <laughs> he likes to show them off. He's showing them off to me. I got one, in fact. I love to blow the goose call. Boop, boop. Show it off, right? I made this. Look at this thing that I made. And I want you to see that if you've been raised with Christ, he does that with you. That's the, that's the goal of it. Is he says, look what I did. Look what I did. I took this wretch, this miserable, naked, poor sinner, and I changed him. And I gave him life. Raised him from the dead. And now he's a display of my power. Look what it says in the text. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. What if, what if Jesus had been raised from the dead, but no one ever saw him alive? You tracking with me on this? What if, what if on Easter Sunday morning, Jesus had been raised from the dead, but as we studied in, in adult Sunday school, Mary Magdalene never came to the tomb? What if on Easter Sunday morning, Jesus had been raised from the dead, but he didn't appear to Peter, James, and the 12. What if Jesus had been raised from the dead and he didn't appear to the 500? What if Jesus had been raised from the dead and no one saw it? We wouldn't be here today, right? All of you wouldn't have squeezed in this room today. In other words, if, if there's not evidence of that resurrection life, it calls into question the claim to resurrection, doesn't it? If no one ever saw him walking around alive, how can we verify that he was really alive? And, and what I'm getting at is I think there are a lot of people in churches today that are just like that. They claim to have been raised from the dead. And that they walk around like dead people. Like they're still dead. Seems to me if you've been raised from the dead, we'll be able to tell, right? Seems to me if you were dead and now are alive, something's different, right? I heard Francis Chan say, there's a lot of difference between me and my dad. Me and my dad are not alike at all. We're not, not anything alike. He's dead. And I'm alive. Doesn't get more different than that. You're either dead or you're alive. And if you claim you're alive, you better look like you're alive. You catch that? He says we are to display our Aliveness. We are to evidence our life that has been given to us as a gift. Just like the dead people display their deadness. Remember that a while ago? Dead people walk it out. Zombies. They're walking. They're, they're up, but they're not really alive. Real live people should display their life. You should walk it out. Work it out. Look what it says in verse 10. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Number one, for Christians, you were dead. Don't forget that. <laughs> Don't forget that. Some of us act like we've always been alive. Some of us act like we deserve life. Don't forget you were dead. You were, by nature, a child of wrath. Destined for destruction. Don't forget that. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you are dead. Dead. In your sins, you're walking it out, you're living it out. And you're deserving of nothing but wrath from God. That's point number one. 
Aren't you thankful there's more than one? Point number two for Christians is you have been raised. You've been raised from the dead. Smile. You're alive. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't be. You've been raised from the dead as a gift of God's grace. By believing in Him. You've been raised from the dead. For those of you who are here today and you're not Christians, you can be raised from the dead. How often do you hear that offer? How often are you given an offer like that? You can be raised from the dead today. By God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, you'd be raised from the dead today. And for Christians, point number three, live like you're alive. Stop walking around like a bunch of zombies. Some of you really look like you're dead. You say you're alive, and no, no one would believe it. No one would believe it. If that's your case, I don't think you're alive. If you walk like a dead man, talk like a dead man, live like a dead man, I say you're dead. There's no in-between, right? You're alive or you're dead. Which are you? Church, which are you? I know you say you're alive. I know, I know you say you're alive. Let's see it. Let's see the life. Three applications, then we're done. Number one, this stuff... Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it really did happen. It really did happen. Number two, it really does make all the difference in the world. Christ was dead and Christ was raised so that you who are dead can be raised with him by grace through faith. That's the hope of Easter, right? Not just that it happened, but that it makes a difference for us. And number three, Christ's resurrection is a shining display of God's power, His justice, His love, His truth, His grace. And our lives should be a similar display of His grace, His power, His love, His truth. Let's stand together and pray. God, we come to you today and we are thankful for the reality, the truth of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We affirm that this happened that this took place, like you said. And God, we acknowledge that it makes all the difference in the world. That because Christ was raised, we have hope. Because Christ died, we have forgiveness. By grace, through faith in him. God, I pray for your church today that you'll help us to remember that we were dead and have been raised and should display your glory to the world around us. Help us to live like we're alive. And God, for the rest of the group in here today, I pray by your grace, you will teach hearts that they are dead. In sin, they are living out sin, And they are deserving of nothing but wrath. And God, I pray that in brokenness, in contrition, in sorrow, in conviction, you will turn their eyes to Jesus. That they will see Him dying for them. Taking their sin. Taking their wrath. That they will see Jesus risen, victorious over their sin, over their wrath and giving them life. God, I pray for nothing short of a miracle 
in this place today. That you, by your grace, would raise the dead. God, there are dead people all over this room. And they cannot help themselves. They need you. God, come. Work your power. Bring life to dead men. Hope to hopeless. Forgiveness to sinners. Restoration and reconciliation to your enemies. And God, I pray that it will all be for your glory. That through this act of resurrection, you will bring honor to yourself and display your power to the nations. God, I pray that men and women and boys and girls will respond rightly to the gospel message. That they would repent and believe. Repent and believe and find hope in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.